Hi guys, this is Alana. You are listening to the Unabridged Christian Fiction Audiobook Podcast. This is our after show for season four, which was the book Blessing on the Run. So if you haven't finished that audiobook, all the chapters are up and ready, and we're going to be talking about some spoilers in the after show. So we just wanted to give that warning. And just like last time, I'm here with Jamie Hampton. So how's it going, Jamie? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm good. So Jamie and I co-host the Praying Christian Women podcast. So if any of you are interested in some resources to kind of help and encourage your prayer life, you can listen to us there. But today we get to talk about fiction stuff, which is always fun too. That is. Thanks for having me as part of it because it's really fun for me. I'm not a huge fiction reader, but I love editing for you and I love reading these books and listening to the books. I think I listen, I listen to this one as an audio book, but it's just, I, it's really fun, especially because once you're familiar with a few of your books, the Alana Terry universe kind of starts coming together, like, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. in, in ways that you don't characters. expect. Yeah. It's really fun. It just, even yeah. the little, um, what would you call them? Easter eggs or mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. just something where you just happen to see like the a glimpse of an app yeah. you know like a character that you didn't expect to see in a book I do have fun yeah throwing those in although I've been thinking you can tell me if you think this is a terrible idea I've been thinking that my next kind of major series I don't know when I'm starting it but I'm sort of thinking of not having as many crossovers you know kind of just starting with a new new cast mm-hmm. um Partly because it's getting hard for me to keep track of, like, <laughs> who's how old or things like yeah. that. Oh, I can imagine that that is just, I think I even asked you the other day, like, do you have a list of yeah. who did what to who? And, right, right. And I do, but it's so just hard. kind of massive to keep track of. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking about just, you know, like, there might still be a tiny a bit of crossover every so often. Yeah. But almost like, you know, how the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they kind of go in waves. Like, they don't call them seasons. I forget, but phases, you know, like here's Mm -hmm. phase one. Um, I'm almost thinking of starting just kind of a new phase, which Mm -hmm. I don't know, it could be, could be sad to like, you know, say totally goodbye to certain people, but also it might be creatively freeing. I'm not sure. I think it's a fine idea. And, you know, I don't see any problem with that. I I did feel like when I heard that you were writing your last Kennedy Stern novel, I was just Mm -hmm. like, what? I know, I know. (laughs) And and there is an an element of, okay, but these other, you know, Orchard Grove and some of your suspense Mm -hmm, and stuff, mm -hmm. it does have overlap. So it's good. Right. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of sad. So I could see that being kind of yeah. I could see a new chapter and a clean slate being a challenge and being exciting. So have you decided yeah. what your next series is? Are you going to let that out or are you still I don't debating? Know. I'm having a ton of fun with some of the standalone suspense books. Mm-hmm. Um, like Forget Me Now. I've got one that's in the process of getting finished for edits. It's called Save Me Once. It's going to have Detective Driscoll in it mm-hmm. as one of the characters. So right now, no, I don't have plans for like, kind of like the Kennedy series where it's like one main character and, Mm -hmm. you know, seven or eight or nine books. I'm, you know, I'm guessing it'll probably go back to that point at some point, but I'm having a little bit of fun with more of the standalone suspense, Mm -hmm. Um, but it is more of a challenge to like, I know by the time I got to Kennedy book four or five, I could just sort of show up and write it because it didn't take a ton of pre-planning because I already knew the characters. Right. Yeah. I sort of knew the characters like 
the world just kind of falls into place. So it is harder doing standalones each and every time, but I find that I always like to challenge myself. And so this has been just a fun, a fun challenge. I've got, yeah, I've got some just standalone stories. I'll probably want to get out of my system before I commit to another single character series. Well, and I have heard that, you know, fiction authors talk about how you begin writing and your characters kind of take on a life of their own and sort of Mm -hmm. want to be written in a certain way. But getting into that has to be draining. You know, it's each time Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there has to be a lot of energy discovering that character. There is. Following through with, you know, the different aspects. And it just, it has to be pretty fun once you're in that zone of like, oh, I know this character. It's like have a hanging out with friends. It yeah. Is. yeah. Well, and especially because I don't, you don't like plan out chapter by chapter ahead of time, do you? You just no. kind of write and see where right. the story takes you. Like yeah. you've had surprises to For you, sure. like mm-hmm. as you've written. <laughs> I think yeah. that's neat. Yeah. My husband thinks it's so funny because he's he's much more of a linear thinker. Yes. And like he totally understands that I'm not and that I have a creative process, but my creative process is still very foreign to him. So like it's bizarre to him that my characters have personality of their own. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, well, I can't make Hannah do this because she told me she doesn't want to do this like it's almost like my characters and I argue with each other like right okay now I need you to hop in this car and go with this guy and she'll be like yeah no I'm not doing that (laughs) (laughs) oh okay well what do you want to do (laughs) yeah let's take another turn well and I so in my I have as you know I started I've started and never finished a book yeah fiction Mm -hmm. science fiction and my experience writing was, I mean, I am such a planner. I mm-hmm, am like, mm-hmm. I probably spent the first year before even beginning to write the book, planning the book and the elements and maybe future books, what, what was going right. to be happening. And for some and, authors, that's a great way to do it. But I didn't start writing really yeah. for a long time. <laughs> and then I get uh-huh. into it and I feel like it maybe it handicaps you a little. I think it might be good to have a balance where yeah. if you are a planner or I guess you would call it a, what is it? So it's pantsers and, and plotter. plotter. So if you mm-hmm. are a plotter, maybe to give yourself a little bit and maybe as I got into the book more and in the mm-hmm. future when I get back into the book, maybe the character development will be more, I don't know. No, I, I totally get what you're saying. And at yeah. the beginning, I did, my first few books were a little bit more planned out. Yeah. Um, I, I read about a mystery author. I forget who it was, but someone I think who was fairly well-known. Mm-hmm. And she was, this was, you know, decades ago. And she had gone to this island or something. I'm messing up the story, but the gist is going to make sense. So she's on this island to finish up her manuscript. She's on the boat going back, you know, to the mainland, wherever this is. And her manuscript gets blown, blown away. Mm-hmm. And someone tells her, well, at least you can write it again, right? Like you've already done the hard work. Now you just need to redo what you did. Redo like, well, it. No. Yeah. But she's like, well, I can't because I already know what's going to happen. Like in oh. her mind. And I think especially with mystery, like it's, I don't think every mystery author needs to do this, but it's actually really fun going into it not knowing. Like in Kennedy book four, Straightens, the one, um, there's a murder. And it wasn't until I was about three quarters through that I knew who the murderer was going to be. 
That and I is don't crazy. Think, yeah, I don't think it has to be that way, but it certainly does make it fun. <laughs> oh gosh, if I wrote a mystery, I would have to put all the pieces together and know where I was going because mm-hmm, I think and I think mm-hmm. fear drives that where I'm like, well, what if I get there right. and I don't know what happens? And you don't know. Yeah, no, it's very so, much like taking a step and just assuming that something's going, you know, that the uh, invisible bridge is going to show up. <laughs> yeah. Well, not that one is better than the other, but I do sure. kind yep. of feel like I feel like there's just an added level of creativity in taking the panther way of, of mm-hmm, going mm-hmm. as you go. It's, it's pretty exciting. So maybe I'll try it someday when I become a fiction writer. That would be fun. Yeah. And then anyway. you'll call me up complaining because Hannah doesn't want to do what you want her to do. That's right. I'll steal all your characters. No. <laughs> so well, blessing so, on the run. Blessing on the run. So I enjoyed this book because I'm, you know, familiar with Sandy and Carl mm-hmm, and, you know, mm-hmm. and blessing is mentioned all the time, you know, like here and there she's mentioned as one of their Mm -hmm. former foster children. So it was really fun to get to know her and well, okay. So uh, I'll wait till later. I don't even know if I can give this spoiler because I'm not going to wait for it. We are. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So in the very end, so spoiler alert, if you have not read to the very end, don't, but in the end we find out that there was a baby that she yeah, yeah, abandoned yeah. Mm-hmm. and that baby turns out to be another one of the main characters in one of your books. Right. And it's so funny because as I was reading and I don't know if you intended this or if it just happened or what, but as I was, as I was listening, even before I had any clue that that was where it was going, um, her voice reminded me of Piff in a oh, way, Okay. which is weird. Mm-hmm. Like there was just mm-hmm. certain aspects, not her, speaking but there was just no but they're the books are similar because they're both first person I think those are my first two books written in first person present so maybe that's part of it I mean truly like the literary voice is the same yeah Yeah, so it's very it just was similar but it reminded me of her and so when I got to the end I was like oh that's very neat that oh funny that they they had similar and even certain elements of their relationships with their significant other, you know, and kind mm-hmm, of their, mm-hmm. you know, frustration the with them or the ups and, and the downs and the, yeah. yeah, he's this, he's also this. And it was right. very cool. Like, I really thought that was a neat tie in. And that's funny. I don't think I, I noticed that, but I can totally, um, now that you mentioned that, I can totally see what you're saying. So the book Jamie's talking about is uh, Beauty from Ashes, mm-hmm. which is Tiff's story. And she's the one who has a medically fragile baby in the NICU. And yeah, so I, I don't remember. I think that it came to me as I was writing Blessing's story that she was going to be Tiff's mom. I don't think that I went into it with that plan, but this was years ago. I actually don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> So when did you write this? When Let's did- see. This was probably written between about Kennedy book five and six or so. Oh, I don't so even think I takes, realized it was that yeah, early. It takes place but like at the same time as Kennedy book two is mm-hmm. taking place because the, um, the scene where she gets proposed to at the Christmas yes, party, that's actually that in scene. Kennedy book two. Told um, from Wung's perspective. From, isn't from it? Kennedy. It's oh, it Kennedy's is from Kennedy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wonder but, if 
Does it come Wung's up? not there quite yet, but Wung talks oh, about blessing not... a lot. Yeah, Wung okay. talks about his sister blessing. Okay. So yeah, that's another reason why I'm thinking of kind of starting a new phase. Like it's confusing for me and it's getting a little confusing for the readers, I would imagine. You know what I mean? Like well, with everything I wouldn't... being so connected. I, yeah, but I don't even think it's confusing because you don't have to make all those connections. It's I consider true. it it's a true. bonus to make the connections okay. and okay. fun to discover them. Or right. sometimes I'll read something and I'm like, that character, there's something that I'll have, <laughs> have to talk to a lot about like, that and figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, right. But yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, this was probably written about halfway into the Kennedy series, which was finished about two years ago. So we're, yeah, it's... Um, I'd have to look at the exact, you know, year. you know what it was? I think it was the same year I went to South Korea. So whatever oh, wow. that would have been okay. <laughs> a while ago. Yep. It doesn't seem like that long ago. I mean, I that know, seems like I know. just happened. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. I think that Blessing on the Run was one of my first novellas in terms okay. of like, it's, it's not that much shorter than some of the Kennedy books, but it mm -hmm. was kind of um, billed as a novella. It's sort of at that in-between, you know, where mm -hmm. it's either like a long novella or a short novel. <laughs> right. But um, yeah, I, I think I started it kind of as just like a, a Christmas bonus. I know some authors will do that. They'll take just a minor character. Okay, sorry, I think I glitched out, but um, what I was saying was, I think if I remember right, it started as a, what would have been a short story, just as a kind of a surprise for my readers one Christmas that turned into a book of its own. Yeah, well, so one of the things, one of the topics that I really liked, kind of one of the little subplots of the story, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, okay, what is her fiance's name? For some reason, I'm uh, is it Damien? I Damien. Yeah. No. It's Damien. Yes. It's Damien. For whatever reason, I remember the antagonist, Jared, but I, I couldn't okay. think of Damien. So Damien, um, her fiance by the end of the book, mm -hmm. uh, it kind of shows this like spark of his his spiritual right kind of searching and mm -hmm, eventual mm -hmm. salvation and. Yeah. Um, I just, I like that. And I really like how in the beginning it portrays Carl and Sandy as, you know, like blessings kind of a little irritated with them and talks about them kind of flippantly, like, you know, mm -hmm. they, they, they're religion, yeah. whatever. It's kind of yeah. annoying. My old fogey mom and dad. Yeah. Yes. And on, and then there's Damien who's kind of quietly taking it all in and, you know, surprisingly, um, receptive to right. their example and it's like what I, I just liked the the whole idea that they live the way they live they don't make apologies for it they pray when they want to pray and mm -hmm, they mm -hmm. don't beat people over the head to make them pray too but like right. he's just in their environment I just think it's a really neat picture of the Christian life and and kind mm -hmm. of that like living your Christian life and being a light and yeah. having people from the outside kind of watching and over time, mm -hmm. like Carl wasn't perfect. He kind of was mean to Damien a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, Sandy's not perfect, but none of them are perfect, but he sees something in them and he see he loves the fact that they're praying and, and mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, it, it wasn't that pretty cool for him to pray for us. And, and, you know, it, yeah. So I thought that was, I thought that was kind of a neat picture of his spiritual seeking and eventual, I guess, salvation yeah. by the end of the book. Oh, for yeah. sure. He yeah, yeah, yeah. And with Carl. 
Mm -hmm. You know, a couple things going on, like in my mind, I, I don't read a ton of Christian romance. Like I, I can't say that it's my absolute favorite, but if I had a pet peeve about Christian romance, one of them might be how like everybody is so super spiritual Yeah, and not everybody's like that. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not saying that Damien's a perfect example of a Christian believer, but I feel like he's maybe a more realistic example of, especially a new believer than what you read in, in some forms of Christian fiction. So I think I, I kind of wanted to emphasize, like, you can become saved and still be rough around the edges and still not quite get everything, but have a genuine walk with God. And I'm not saying that we should strive to just stay in that place, right? but that we, we should recognize, like, that I, I, and I feel like he and blessing are a good match for each other. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. if somebody, um, like, like you, who's kind of had a strong and mature faith was matched with someone like Damien, I mean, that would very much be unequal yoking in terms of like spiritual maturity and stuff. But sometimes people kind of, they're starting right at the beginning. They're taking these baby steps together. And I feel like that is something to be celebrated. Well, and for them to be able to, um, well, so I don't know, was your, my impression was that she had a knowledge of Christianity. I think, does it say that she was baptized or that she was saved or I, I see, I don't remember yeah, in the book you know, if she was actually I don't think saved it mentions and knowledge. I think it's one of those things where I've, I heard the phrase, someone said like, I had just enough church to kind of be immunized against Christ right. growing up. Isn't that Do you know what I mean? True. Like, yeah. I kind of feel like that's the point where she is like, she's, uh-huh. she's gone through ups and downs for sure. Mm-hmm. And has come out with, um, with some scars for sure. Mm-hmm. But you know, so I don't, I don't really know. Like if she were to have died 10 years before the story was written, would she have gone to heaven? I, I don't think that any of us, even me as a narrator, right, is to know that. But I think that, um, yeah, her, I think by the time this book ends, and, and, and if I were to project kind of what happens, I mm-hmm. think that actually Damien's going to be the one to help her get even more grounded. Yeah. And that's the impression I got also was yeah. that he was – he was the first one. She, like yeah. you said, I like the way you said that. It's very sad, but it's very true. That whole idea of being immunized. Mm-hmm. Against yeah, and maybe even just a little bit jaded. Like, you know enough to not desensitize is a good way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's kind of coming at it with this kind of the zeal of a, a brand new convert. And yeah. so if I were to kind of project what happens, and they don't show up a ton in other books. Like, the, <clears throat> they talk about... um you know, she's pregnant at the time. So it talks about like their baby and, you know, things like that. It doesn't go into like the spiritual details of their lives in any books that I've written, at least to date. But that's kind mm-hmm. of what I see is, you know, like they're probably going to have some ups and downs for sure, like any marriage and any blended family. Mm-hmm. But I really do think that I could see Carl really stepping in to help Damien become mm-hmm. even more spiritually mature and that that's going to have benefits for blessing even more so than like if her parents tried to invest directly in her life. Oh, absolutely. Cause she mm-hmm. is kind of desensitized to them as well. I like think so. she's like, yeah. well, yeah, it's great and all, but yeah, they're this all is what spiritual, mom and dad but do. this is how yeah. they are. Yeah. And I, I just think it's also kind of an example it gives us as readers kind of a, a bird's eye perspective 
of people that, like you said, it's not like once you become a believer, your life automatically is in the shape and you're not, you're not right. necessarily, I mean, yeah, your tattoos don't disappear and things right, like that. Or you're yeah. still living with your mm-hmm. girlfriend right. who's pregnant mm-hmm. with your child yeah. that out was of wedlock, baby. out of yeah. wedlock, you know, and that's not going to change. Right. And so it's, um, but to see the potential, I think this is another way that imagination can help our prayer lives, can help our mm-hmm. Christian mm-hmm. faith is to, when we encounter people who are seeking or who are brand new believers, maybe rather than being so heavy handed and judgmental or, and I'm not saying that, that you should tolerate ongoing sin in the church. Agreed. That is not what I'm saying. You yep. can go on that other mm-hmm. side of that and just be too liberal with it and be like, oh, and for celebrate sure. the sin. Yeah, no, I Tolerate it agree. indefinitely. But when mm-hmm. you see a new Christian or someone seeking, rather than immediately trying to fix their lives and fix the way they're living and, and be heavy handed about that. Sandy and Carl, now Carl, Carl wasn't happy, you know, no, he's he still his old school for sure. Yeah. That, and, but you know, on the, on the other hand, Sandy, you know, they balance each other out where she, yeah, like blessing even mentions at one point when Sandy was so excited about his proposal, she's like, mm-hmm. here's my super most conservative woman on the East coast. Mm-hmm excited about me being engaged to the man I'm living with and right. I'm pregnant with this baby out of wedlock <laughs> and yet she's celebrating. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I think that is something to learn from not celebrating sin, but celebrating. And being things. there for your kid. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. I love. don't know. I, 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 absolutely disagree with couples living together before they're married, things like that. Like I'll totally be fine going on record. There are standards of purity that we are called to live by, but that doesn't mean you need to be a jerk, (laughs) you know? Um, Like I, I was so sad. I was at this homeschool group and a lot of the ladies went to the same church and they were gossiping about this teenager who was pregnant and her mom was throwing her a baby shower Mm -hmm. and they were kind of like why are they celebrating this little sinful baby and I I just hated that attitude so much because even if it was a baby conceived in sin let's go ahead and call sin sin that doesn't mean that the baby doesn't need diapers and clothes and support and it doesn't mean it doesn't mean the baby's sinful. <laughs> exactly. And it doesn't mean like the act of the acts that led to the pregnancy was a sin, but the pregnancy itself is not, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the other option would have been abortion. So of course we don't want to see that. So yeah, we're getting, <laughs> getting into all kinds of weeds here, but yeah, I, I, that made me so sad knowing that these are the kinds of things that can destroy relationships. And so, yeah, I liked showing Sandy being excited and, you know, I liked showing Carl being like, why, why are we happy about this? Cause I think that's a realistic portrayal too. Yes. I, and I really appreciate the fact that, that those kinds of conversations can be had and, and that we can launch off of just even some of these little nuances in the book that aren't mm-hmm. even really part of the plot. Right. To, to have these discussions and, and to, yeah. to, even if it's within our own minds to just think, cause I feel yeah. like I came away with that book being, having, being better equipped to deal with situations 
like that in my own life in a better way. Right. Right. Would you say, so what, first I want to know what you would advise them if like you were the in-laws or the pastor doing marriage counseling or something. Then I want to know if you think they would do it. Do you think that they're going to stop living together and sleeping together until they're married? I doubt it. I, I, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe, you know, I, I could see Damien being like, you know, I want to do this right. Go live with your parents until I could see him wanting to do yeah. that or mm-hmm. I could see them getting married really fast just because yeah. it's easier you know because yeah, why just not getting married quickly yeah, yeah. but uh, you know I I could I could see that happening um yeah well let's let's give them our own um our own let's do it the right way and say that blessing moves home for a month or two to get ready mm-hmm. for the wedding and then mm-hmm. They get married and then they kind of start over. That's what we'll yeah. say happens. I think Damien, at the at, at the point that he's at, being as receptive as he is to Carl, mm-hmm. I'm sure Carl would make that a big point. If you're going to be a yeah. Christian, this is what the Bible says. Yeah. And I could see Damien taking the lead there and saying that. So yes, I'm going to go ahead and yeah. say. Or I could see Carl like driving them down to the courthouse himself. <laughs> Option one, if you want to yep. marry my daughter, is she moves home. Option two is get in the car now and we'll go and get married. To make it right. Yeah, I could see that. That's funny. Yeah. Well, what were some of your other thoughts or impressions or um, things you wanted to chat about? I think one of the other things that I found very interesting that I think we need to discuss on on the Praying Christian Women podcast is this idea of praying curses over your enemies or imprecatory mm-hmm. prayer because it was just an aside where Blessing was thinking about Jared, who's the antagonist who has done unspeakable things um, mm-hmm. in the sex trade. and um you know, manipulated her in many different Mm ways. Um, Mm -hmm. And she is just wondering, like, in those Psalms in the Bible where they're just basically praying these curses over their enemies. And I went back and read a few of them, and man, they're Mm -hmm. bad. I mean, it's like, curse their children, may their children dash them against the the streets. I mean, yeah, this is not like little... Like, oh, yeah. just it's not, you know, like, themselves. may your socks be wet on a cold day, you know, right. it's, <laughs> it's beyond. And it, yeah. And let their innocent yeah, their little babies suffer yeah. too. Yeah. So, yikes. But the question, you know, just to raise, raising the question of that, you know, those prayers are in the Bible and mm-hmm. they are listed. I think they're Psalms of David, some of them at least, if not more, yeah. not yeah. all of them. Um, and yeah, they're in there. They're in the Bible. They are listed mm-hmm, there. Mm-hmm. And yet we have Jesus coming and saying, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute yeah, you. Yeah. And forgive them. They don't know what they do. Forgive yeah. them. Yeah. And if he sins against you, yeah. let him sin, whatever. But then you've got, so, so my response is no, we shouldn't pray curses on people. But if there ever was a time, it would be people who hurt kids. <laughs> you know what right? I mean? Like if anybody deserved, and, and this is, this is, Alana the like mom coming out not Alana the theologian or anything like that like if there was ever anybody who deserves to have every curse in the book thrown at him it's someone like Jared you know and and even Jesus if anybody causes one of these little ones to sin you know tie a millstone around their neck yeah. and throw them into the sea. Like you hurt one of God's kids. You, mm-hmm. you deserve what's coming at you, but I know there's also a place for grace and forgiveness. So 
I waffle a little bit when it's just like, here's a bad guy who's done bad things. It's like, okay, no, love your enemies. But when it, when it's to this level, like a predator preying yes. on helpless children, I am, like I said, if there ever was a time to pray these curses, it would be in a case like that. Mm-hmm. It's still probably not right, but. <laughs> well, and I feel like, you know, I, there've been times in my life where I have prayed and just been grieved about certain situations that mm-hmm, I have no control mm-hmm. over and have right. prayed, you know, God, God, just let your justice prevail. And in the back of my mind, God's justice would be that these people would suffer, <laughs> do these horrible things. Yeah, sure. It would be just an eye for an eye, you know, and, mm-hmm. or, or worse, but anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I crimes against innocent, particularly children yep. just are. I would, yeah, I would absolutely never want to trade spots with someone like Jared on Judgment Day. Mm -mm. And, and I think it's okay to, in cases like that, I think that maybe like we can both recognize that yes, God's forgiveness and grace would reach out to somebody like that Mm -hmm. if they accepted it. But if they don't, (laughs) I think maybe like it's okay to maybe not revel in the fact, but to just have a healthy awe and respect for the fact that God is going to bring judgment. I don't know. That's a really hard one. It is. And, you know, I also, I feel like on the flip side, if you're looking at yourself and if you, uh, it's one thing to, to pray those curses or to pray a curse over someone. But I think, you know, when Jesus talks about loving your enemies, praying for those who persecute you, that's not necessarily for the enemy's benefit it's for your benefit and your peace because when you get bound by anger and bitterness mm-hmm. and rage mm-hmm. and unforgiveness then you know it it hurts you i mean if you're mm-hmm. if if that prayer of cursing only results in you feeling more angry toward that person right then, right that's you know, true maybe mm-hmm. maybe the better way is the way of you know jesus modeled that mm-hmm. forgiveness in a better way he was a fulfillment yeah it's possible for an eye for an eye it's yeah just to give an, an eye for an eye but mm-hmm. a better way is the way that produces forgiveness and peace even yeah. aside from these other people but i don't know Anyway, it's very no. It is. It's a. And, it is hard, and I mean, there's no way to have that discussion without a lot of emotions coming up. No, you know, like I very deliberately ended the book with. Um, keep wanting to call him Justin for some reason, Jared, <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, with Jared being killed because yeah. I think there was part of me that that didn't want someone like him to have the option to repent. You know, and maybe that makes me terrible. Or maybe that just, you know, maybe most other Christians would agree with me. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, really, I, I didn't want that to be an open question mark. I A lot of books have question marks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of characters have question marks. I didn't want him to get a question mark. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm trying to think of any other. I made some notes about, I think the other one was Tyson and just, he's the little mm-hmm. boy. Mm-hmm. Um, and just his, I thought it was, I thought it was cool to see, you know, he had been, he had trouble in preschool. He'd been mm-hmm. kicked out of all these preschools yeah, yeah. and like, yet he's this really, you know, he, he's kind of a cool kid. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but 
But the question that it brought up for me is, here's this sweet kid. Yes, he's had trouble. He's had trauma. He's violent at school with other kids. He's been mm-hmm. beaten up, you know, because he's, he's had a crazy past. He's who had knows, a hard life. Yeah. Who knows what he has seen, what he's yeah. been through, because we don't know mm-hmm. that chapter necessarily right, of right. what he's gone through. And I guess that just kind of gave me a heart for not only children, but yes, children, you know, and people in general that act out mm-hmm. or yeah. are difficult, just mm-hmm. realizing you have no idea what this person no, is through. You, you don't. have no idea mm-hmm. um, what their, what their past was or what they're currently yeah. suffering. You know, they, I'm sure his preschool teachers had no idea that his mother had been sex trafficked, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. That's not something that she's going to go and start reporting to everybody. So I don't know. I think I came away from that. I I had this warm feeling about Tyson Mm -hmm. and this, then this sadness in the end, because he was, you know, in the end he was definitely traumatized by seeing hard. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. But it just, it overall made me come away with like, okay, like I could see through the book what a cool kid he was. And, he is. Yeah. You know? He's kind of just spunky. He's one yeah. of those kids, like so fun to know for an hour, but would be so hard to raise on your own. <laughs> yes, exactly. Right. But you know, what's interesting. Have you read some of the recent studies about trauma being passed down generationally? No. Okay. So no. you know how like, by the, when, so for background, both Jamie and I have science degrees. And so we, we like to get our science geek on, even in the Praying Christian Women podcast, we'll sometimes talk about like the science behind prayer or things oh, like yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Okay. So when you and I were in high school, the ruling, um, you know, the, theory. what is it? The, the theory of acquired characteristics was totally debunked. You know what I mean? It's like everything is just genetic and mm. your genes, blah, 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 blah. Okay. So here's this um, study they did where they took a group of rats and they made the rats smell a distinctive smell and then shocked them. So they trained these rats to be scared of a smell. Mm-hmm. Then they had these rats produce offspring and tested, um, even if they weren't like raised by the parents, the offspring of the rats who were exposed and trained to be scared of a smell were scared of the smell, whereas a control group was not scared of the smell. Oh my goodness. So basically like they're seeing now, and there've been like even Holocaust studies of Holocaust survivors, like their descendants up to at least like the grandchildren have like that trauma gets passed down somehow genetically. So it's, it's not even like, even if they're not raised by the biological family. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I could absolutely see, I mean, you know, from blessings whole, um, whole life you know there's so much trauma and also since she's the one raising Tyson so he's picking up on it from both ends you know the genetic end as well as just the um you know nature versus nurture you know he's getting it from both sides wow oh that is so fascinating it's funny because I was just talking to someone yesterday and she was saying my daughter was born with this like fear of dogs and Mm -hmm. you know some kids are afraid of dogs yeah we're afraid of different things but I wonder if there are certain things that are passed down from, and who knows, because that, mm-hmm. you know, she's yeah, not knows? afraid of dogs herself, but right. anyway, that's just very interesting. It is interesting. There's so much more. I and, you created know, us can, to be yeah. um, 
moldable maybe. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. but, but then when you think about some of the sins of the fathers being passed to the generations, you know, I mean, maybe there's a genetic explanation. And you think about that in spiritual. Yeah. You know, through adoption, I think that it has implications, you know, Mm -hmm. so even if you don't know your, your ancestry's history, I think for sure that you're still impacted by some of those, those things. So, yeah. It was interesting, interesting for sure. Yeah. So that was, that was our science segment for the day. <laughs> All right. No, I did not know that. So I have a question that. for you. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So I think we can absolutely agree that when Blessing was a child being manipulated and abused, that she was 100% victim, had no culpability whatsoever yep. in, you know, in, in her relationship. I think we could let's let's ignore the the bathroom scene <laughs> for right now but just mm-hmm. in her relationship absolute victim mm-hmm. but she keeps on going back to this guy even as an adult yep as an adult she's helping him do terrible things to others at what point does she also become culpable or in your mind is she a victim the entire time yeah and that was another interesting thing because she even goes back and like says she goes back later and later right she goes back to the day that he was uh busted and Mm -hmm. she you know basically is like well it kind of stinks that i was 18 because then they viewed me as an accessory yeah and she talked about how she did have to rough up the girls sometimes Mm -hmm. to get them to comply because if she let them just, you know, it would be doing them a disservice to let them just be totally um, comfortable all the time. And then all well, the Well, and it's kind of like this. either I'll beat you up or I'm going to watch my boyfriend beat you up. I mean, what a terrible position. And I don't yes. want to let her off the hook, but I do well, want to recognize what a terrible position to be in. It is. And I think it's both. I really believe it's uh-huh. both. I believe that, yes, absolutely. From the beginning to the end, she was and is a victim of what happened to her. But in terms of, I think if no one ever held her responsible in any way, mm-hmm. I think it might be doing her a disservice. And I don't mean that she needs to be in prison for long periods of time. But mm-hmm. just for her to have to face the fact, I think it's like raising a child in any situation where, well, you know, if you never let them know that it's unacceptable, mm-hmm. then how can you how can you expect them to grow? Mm-hmm. And so I guess, you know, in was I like when she was arrested, right? And she was prosecuted, but then she got off the hook, right? Through Sandy and Carl. Yeah, they kind of went to bat for her. But she did jail time, didn't she? I believe so. Yeah. And I know she, yeah. And she had to register as an offender too. That's right. I mean, that's, that's That's a huge, huge thing to have on your record. It's a sticky situation because there's the side of me that wants to be so compassionate and say, you were a little kid when this started. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you have no culpability. You did what Mm -hmm. you had to do to survive. And there is a big part of me that looks at it that way. But again, you were a willing accomplice to some really horrible things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's a hard, hard situation with a lot of legal implications. It is. And in Mm -hmm. theory, I was glad the way it went because I felt like she probably should have done jail time to let her know that this was not okay. Yeah. 
but I was glad she got off and I was glad I know, that and she it was able to was move on with her life and get a job and stuff. Yeah. Like, And I guess that's the best we could hope for in a situation yeah. like that. And I think, doesn't she even say like she felt safer in jail anyway? Yeah, that you was know? it. So, she, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But no, I, I, I do know. feel sorry for her. So another question, my husband does not like this book. This is my only book of mine that he's read that he dislikes because mm-hmm. he thought the whole situation with the baby in the bathroom was just too far, too disturbing. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it had basically the happiest of endings that you can think of in that, you know, the baby survived and, and the child who's now Tiff that you can read about in another book is doing well, right. but he was, um, it was too, too much for my husband's taste. Do you have opinions on that? Well, I felt like you did a really good, I found myself wondering, well, what happened? What did she do? And I Mm -hmm. sort of thought, and I know you, so I knew that, I don't know, this is even going to sound bad coming out, but I I knew that baby would not end up. Did you? Murdered by her directly. Because I know, Hmm. but I didn't know that the baby wouldn't have died of exposure, but I knew that. I knew that she wouldn't have, you would not have have raised a a hand. That makes sense. Right. I see what you're saying. You never go into detail until the Mm -hmm. very end where she mentions abandoning Mm -hmm. the child. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I, you know, I, I didn't feel like it was too much. I think I have a Mm -hmm. high threshold for things. I know that, you know, I, I know that these things happen. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. kids having babies in restrooms and it happened. Um, a lot. I don't know how often, but I know I've heard of it. And yeah, well, and again, that would be another, you know, question, what, what legal responsibility does blessing have? You know, I think that, I mean, that's, especially if the baby did die, I mean, that is murder, even if it's death from exposure, but again, you kind of see the, um, what drives her to it. So maybe I guess if I had a takeaway, it would be like, let's not, Let's not let her off the hook for the bad choices she made, right. but maybe at least have some empathy to, like, even if I can't say that you did the right thing mm-hmm. <laughs> or that you didn't do the wrong thing, like, I can say you did the wrong thing, but I at least understand how you felt like that was your only option. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I did not know that there would be a happy ending. I figured it would be open-ended and that she would have to mm-hmm. live. I feel like living with that choice and not yeah. knowing would have been a huge oh that would be terrible itself, yeah you know yeah but so mm-hmm. I was not predicting the happy ending but I was yeah. predicting that it would be open-ended that we could have hope that you know the baby could have mm-hmm. made it and yeah that you would never I did I did not feel like you would end it with yeah. us knowing definitively that that child had mm-hmm. died Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's part of me that if the child had died, you know, I would love to blame it all on the guy, you right. know, but, but again, but I mean, it was a choice. There were people that she could have asked for help as mm-hmm. hard as that would have been. It's, it's really hard. Cause I mean, you and I have never been in a situation even remotely similar <laughs> mm-hmm. to that. So, but no, I, I like doing that in my books is just raising these questions so that even if you, um, no, I can't say that she, didn't make a ton of very bad and immoral mistakes, mm-hmm. but I hope that we can at least be gracious and empathize with her and, you know, feel sorry for her, for the situation she was in. Yeah. Well, and I, the same goes, um, 
for ending one of her pregnancies. That was another thing where Mm -hmm. she kind of addresses that one of the many poor choices that she felt pushed into, but she agreed to and actually ended Mm -hmm. up initiating in the very end out of desperation. Mm -hmm. And that's not a choice that can be undone that, you know, that, that baby. Or condoned. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Or condoned. And that baby didn't have a happy ending, you know? So, Mm -hmm. but I do think that it it gives us that perspective because I think we, maybe we haven't been in that situation, but I know that I've been in compromising situations where I've been like, either tempted to make a bad choice or I've made a bad mm-hmm. choice when I'm mm-hmm. like, wow, I, I never thought I would be in this situation uh, right. on a different level. And it just, mm-hmm. it makes you realize that you cannot judge. You can, okay, I should say this. I still maintain that we should not let emotion interfere with our judgment of right and wrong. Right. So something can be wrong. And mm-hmm. it doesn't yes. make it right just because we emotionally feel bad for the person. Right. Mm-hmm. And I maintain that that has to stay there. I'm glad I don't mm-hmm. have to enforce that. But, yeah. mm-hmm. but we can also understand that we can never, we could judge something that's wrong, but we can never condemn someone or maybe think poorly for them for doing something if we've never been in that situation. I mean, it goes back to, Sender, you know, never. Yeah, maybe just extend grace, especially if you if you haven't been in a comparable situation. Yeah. So not acceptance of the choice, but grace and compassion for the situation. Yeah. No, it's a heavy book for sure. It has a Mm -hmm. lot of heavy subjects, and you know, but I mean, the example of Jesus, you know, when he confronted sin or when he saw sin, you know, like the woman at the well, he's he was very Mm -hmm. pragmatic about it, very much like he knew that she had had some stuff going on and he's like, okay, but from this point on, go and sin no more, you know, just yep. start from, let's start fresh. Yeah. And because of Jesus, we can do that. And it doesn't yeah. mean that someone, you know, I, and I know, I don't want to drag this out too long with, with tangents, but there, I remember a woman that was on death row and she was scheduled for execution. She became a believer. She changed her life. She, yeah, I, I think people. I know who you're talking about. Yep. And there was a big rally to have her released. Mm-hmm. And I think she herself, I hope I'm not. No, I think I know where you're going. And I think that's a story that I heard said, too. I committed this crime. Yep. I've got I'm, to, this is my consequence yeah. and mm-hmm. praise Jesus. I'm going to see him when I die. And yeah. so I think that's the bottom line is that we can, you know, we can know that we're forgiven. Yeah. yeah. Blessing is absolutely forgiven. Absolutely. I mean, let's yeah. go ahead and make it crystal clear that she prays with, you know, her family and with Damien and to God mm-hmm. and asks for that forgiveness. Yeah. So we'll just, we'll just say that that happens. Yeah. So she is a hundred percent forgiven and now she gets that kind of fresh start. She still has some mm-hmm. of the consequences. We can still say that, yeah, she made some major mistakes and we mm-hmm. can call those mistakes sin, but she is forgiven. Absolutely. Um, and can now kind of have that fresh start, which is yeah. such great news in Christ. Right. Well, and not only a fresh start, but I really am a big believer that God can take those that past and redeem it and yes. use it in her life to produce fruit for God. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, so let's give blessing um, an even happier ending. What does oh, she good. do? do okay. So she marries <laughs> Damien. She has his baby. So now there's two kids in the family. She's still got her job um, at the bank. He So they're doing well in those terms. And then she decides that she wants to take her experiences and 
somehow help others so they don't have to go through something similar or something like that. What do you think, what do you see her doing? Oh, I see her working for a nonprofit that helps people in the sex trade, helps rescue mm -hmm. women out of the sex trade, counsels them, shares the gospel with them. Um, Do you think she ever reaches out to Tiff, her adult daughter? Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I totally think that she will, especially with that close of a connection. I'm, uh -huh, I'm certain uh -huh. that she will. I mean, I picture there being hesitation because of For just sure. all the, you know, I mean, it, I shouldn't say definitively, but I feel like with that close of a connection, being able to see a picture of her, yeah. knowing that Sandy knows her and has contact with her, like, yeah. I feel mm -hmm. like there would be a definite uh, yeah. reconciliation. But I don't know. Yeah. that could the, the, Her guilt over what she did might mm -hmm. overshadow that. I could see that getting in the way of her being willing to face yeah. the person that she left abandoned yeah. for dead. Well, let's do it like this. Let's say that she starts with like the nonprofit and really blessing all these other girls who have gone through something similar, or maybe even preventative things, you know, helping people not even get in that situation to begin with. Mm -hmm. But she kind of always feels like there's still something missing. Like she's always trying to atone for mm -hmm. her mistakes. And then she realizes that the final step she needs to take is to reach out to her daughter and, and ask her for forgiveness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And then, and, and then, then she does it and they live happily ever after. <laughs> I love it. I love it. You don't even have to write we'll the tie it up with we the bow. Did. We just did. <laughs> you guys heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Jamie. Do you have any other, um, anything else you wanted to touch on or should we wrap up? No, I think that was good. Yay. Well, thank you. It's always so fun doing these after shows with you. And for those of you listening, I really hope that you did enjoy Blessing on the Run. I'm pretty sure that our next season will move to something lighter. We might throw in a romance or, or something just for a break from the really, really heavy stuff. Um, if you want to read the book about Tiff's adult daughter, as of right now, it's not an audiobook, but you can get the ebook or paperback of Beauty from Ashes, and that's Tiff's story. That's a so, good one. I like yeah, that one. Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun writing that one. That one's um, pretty close to being the most autobiographical that I've done just because, you know, we, we had a Nikki baby and the situation wasn't exactly the same, but the medical side of it was pretty similar. Mm -hmm. So, and then again, if you guys want to hear Jamie and me talk even more regularly than just these after shows, uh, tune into the Praying Christian Women podcast. And Jamie, thank you. It's always so fun chatting books with you. And I know. I like listening. It. Thank you. Yeah. So have a great day and we will talk to you guys later.